It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder are set to play the New Orleans Pelicans in the play-in tournament. What do you need to know about the Pelicans? And do the Thunder have a shot in this 9-10 matchup? We'll talk about it with Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans. All coming up. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thundersintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app right now. Create your account. Use code LOCKEDONNBA to get $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. We're going to talk with Jake Madison of Lockdown Pelicans about the New Orleans Pelicans and about this play-in matchup for the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, as this is going to be a very exciting day. We do a little home-and-home. You can find uh, my episode on Lockdown Pelicans tomorrow uh, talking about the play-in game. So, Jake, first and foremost, I owe you a big, big, big thank you because the Pelicans' last play-in ousted the Clippers and brought Jalen Williams home to Oklahoma City, who is by far and away the second-best rookie in you can make an argument he should win rookie of the year, but we won't go down that rabbit hole. Nonetheless, a great player for Oklahoma City, all thanks to your Pelicans. You're welcome to repay the favor <laughs> on Wednesday, I guess. Um, that's actually really funny. Those stories are like all around the NBA, just little things that have like a knock-on effect that is just so interesting about the league. But look, you're welcome. So, Jake, we are in a familiar situation here, you and I. I'm sure that your mentions have been flooded with people asking is Zion playing in this game, just as mine have been flooded with people asking if Chet's going to play. Chet is not going to play the entire postseason for however long that that lasts. He will not play until October for Oklahoma City. Now on your end, what's the verdict on Zion and when, why is this such a weird scenario? Yeah, it's really weird. I just did a show on this today, which is why your episode is, is bumped to Wednesday because of Zion. But first and foremost, for your listeners, Zion's not playing. He probably won't even play in the first round of the playoffs, should the Pelicans make it that far. It sounds like his hamstring's healing really well, but he's just not conditioned, right? He's not in game shape. And after missing however many games he's missed with that hamstring injury, where you can't do anything but kind of rested, it's really not a huge surprise. Pelicans have really bungled the messaging on this, but don't worry, he's not playing. So Zion is not playing. Now we can focus on uh, this matchup at hand. So Jake, the first thing that pops off the page is that the Pelicans have two guys who can really fill it up on any given night as primary scores in CJ and Brandon Ingram. 
What's the level of confidence in New Orleans right now with the youngest team in the NBA coming to town? You know, I'll be honest. I'm nervous. I, I really like this Thunder team. I, you know, I host Locked On NBA on Wednesdays, and we did a segment recently, and I said this team better not tank. They better go for it because I think they're young. I think they can surprise some people, and I want to see those type of teams in the postseason. So I'm glad they're here. You know, I guess I really got what I asked for uh, as they play the Pelicans here. But a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander scares me. So I don't think this is like a repeat of last season for the Pelicans where they beat the Spurs in the 9-10 game, but that Spurs team was 14 games under 500. The Thunder are basically right there, 40 and 44, 42, whatever it is, their record. And they're only two games worse than the Pelicans are. This is a very realistic shot at getting the upset. And it's going to come down to, as you said, Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. And the way I kind of view this game is, can the Pelicans generate enough consistent offense? And if they can, this team can be good. They finished the season seven and three in their final 10 with that one loss, uh, you know, the final loss of the season being pretty rough against the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that was literally fighting each other in a wall. And they let that team come back in the second half because they kind of reverted to the team that had at one point lost 10 straight games with an offense that just looked awful. If Brandon Ingram gets cooking, if they can find ways to manufacture open looks for guys like CJ McCollum and Trey Murphy, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, this team can win because the defense is ranked in the top 10 all season long. I think they finished with the sixth best defense. They get back, they get set, they force a lot of turnovers, which in turn then fuels their offense to more easy points, which lets the defense get back and get set again. And when they kind of get in that rhythm, this team is tough to beat even without Zion Williamson. But we've seen the coaching staff like not do a good job making adjustments, preparing for the opponent. So I'm worried if they're going to be able to actually pull this off successfully. I am so interested in that coaching matchup because albeit a low bar to clear from PJ Carlissimo uh, to Scott Brooks and Billy Donovan, I do think that Mark is the best coach in Thunder history. And this is his first shot. You know, like the, people don't pay attention to coaching until postseason basketball the majority of the time. So this is his first chance at like getting some recognition for the way that he coaches a basketball game. What was it like to watch the Pelicans in the postseason last year? What did you learn about this coaching staff and, and kind of are they late to make adjustments? Are they too early on adjustments in the postseason whenever it comes down to these win-or-go-home games? They're way too late on adjustments. They are way too late on adjustments. Uh, we're, I was at a playoff watch party for the game against the Clippers, at, you know, the second play-in tournament game. Tony, They put Tony Snell in. Tony Snell, who hadn't played in I don't know however many games, and immediately in like the however few minutes he played – they, they lost a 10-point lead and all of a sudden found themselves down seven. It was like a 17-point swing. When you're making those kind of changes in the biggest game of the season, I lose a little bit of faith in you. And we've seen the Pelicans just not able to adapt. They get punched in the face, and they don't really seem to know what to do. In the second half of that game against the Timberwolves, you saw it. Brandon Ingram had 27 points in the first half. He had just nine shots the rest of the way. Trey Murphy, who's been a sniper for this squad, who's their best three-point shooter, only had four three-point attempts in this one. They were three for 22, I think, in that game. That's not going to get it done. And when this coaching staff doesn't draw up the right kind of plays for their best players, it concerns me. So if this starts to become an offensive shootout and Shea Gilgis-Alexander is getting close to dropping 40, the Pelicans better stay up there because if they don't, this game could get away from them. You know, when when we had recorded my show earlier, you, you had said that the Thunder now have two practices before this game. The Pelicans took Monday off. There was no practice for them that day. They're only going to end up practicing on Tuesday before this. Who knows how big that extra practice day for a team like the Thunder is in this? 
not only do they have the extra practice day, Monday was a high intensive practice day. Jalen Williams said it was a practice in which they worked the hardest out of the entire year, which isn't abnormal because usually in an NBA year, you're traveling, you just played a game the night before or playing one the next day. This is a weird scenario where the normal guys have been out for the last five days, have not played since Thursday. So they could get out and play kind of a more intense practice so that they were really intense Monday. A lighter practice obviously will happen on Tuesday. Travel, play New Orleans on Wednesday. Coming up, I want to put you on the hot seat in a multitude of ways. Is SGA the best player on the court this series? And what scares you the most about OKC? But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Game Time. Folks, Game Time is awesome. Game Time is where you want to go. Use code LOCKEDONNBA or LOCKEDONMLB to find all of the great options they have for you for buying tickets and making sure you get them to the lowest prices, making sure that you get them in the last minute. If that's your thing, you can go check it out. They have NBA playoff tickets. They have concert tickets. They have any kind of tickets that you want. And especially this summer, as we start to get into that time of year where you want to go out and socialize more and hang out more, you're going to want to go to concerts, go to game time, baseball games, everything that you want. Go over there right now to game time and have it happen for you by downloading the game time app, create an account and go over there to use the code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase terms and conditions apply. Also create your account to use that code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download the game time app today and get last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on Locked On Thunder, Locked On Pelicans. Jake. Putting you on the hot seat now. I didn't do this in front of your audience. I'll do this in front of mine. <laughs> Who is the best player in this series? It, I mean, it's either Brandon Ingram or Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I'm I'm going to give it to Shea Gilgis Alexander right now. Like, you know, if I were voting, I'd have him first team All NBA. I would actually have him winning Most Improved over Lowry Markinen too. He's been that good this year, and the reason I give him the edge over Brandon Ingram is because he's a two way player. He's a really good defender, and he's a guy that attacks the basket and puts pressure on defenses too. So being a two-way player like that, being able in a playoff series or a single playoff game, right, to be able to play downhill, to potentially be getting calls from refs and kind of muck the game up, slow it down if you need to, that becomes so important, especially late in a fourth quarter. That's what I think what gives him the edge over Brandon Ingram. I don't think there's a huge gulf between them with the way Brandon Ingram's played to close the season. This is a guy who had never had a triple-double before, and then he had two in the span of five games. You're seeing them play through him more. You're seeing him be more of a playmaker. You know, 10-plus assists for him right now is not out of the realm of possibility. It's almost kind of a regular thing for him. And we know he can get cooking. And in a playoff situation, you need a guy that can hit those mid-range jumpers because that's going to be what the defense gives you. He's capable of doing that, but it's still SGA. I love to hear that. I think that SGA uh, is the best player in this series and in this game uh, unbiasedly. And you mentioned last year's 10 seed was the Spurs. 
I think that the stat of no 10 seed has ever won a game is a bit skewed, especially when you look at this letter team. It was only two games under 500. And technically speaking, you know, should have beaten the Hornets last week, should have beaten the Pacers last week. You get to 500 and, and it, or over 500. It's a lot of a lot of fun that way. So this game is going to be very competitive. However, the four games didn't tell us much about this series. Brandon Ingram plays in one of the games. CJ only plays in two of them. And still, the Pelicans win the season series three to one, although each game was extremely close. What, if anything, did you learn from watching these two teams play four times? Oh, man, they got to find a way to, cl- uh, to slow down SGA. I, you know, I really think it's kind of as simple as that. You know, if you want like a matchup to watch, it's Herb Jones on Shea Gilgis Alexander. And what are the Thunder going to do to try and get Herb Jones off of him? You know, he's done a good enough job, right? This is not a guy that you can just limit. We've seen Herb Jones have games where he guards a guy like Kawhi Leonard, holds him to one for eight. We've seen him do the similar things to John Moran. You're going to need a really good performance from him. And it really might come down to how physical the refs let him be. He's not gotten the same kind of whistle as he did last year. I don't want to say this game's going to come down to the refs because it's not. There'll be a million other factors before we would like blame it on that. But how they're going to kind of officiate it, I think really could make or break part of this game with what Herb Jones is allowed to do. And I think that's that's like the biggest thing to watch for in this one. If SGA goes for 40, I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous. I think they'll get enough other offense from some of their guys that that's going to kind of keep them afloat. And it can't just be SGA gets 40 and no one else will beat the team. I don't know if I trust the Pelicans in that kind of situation just yet. So what can they do with Herb Jones? How are they going to defend SGA? You know, when you did my show with me, you had some really interesting stats and numbers on that from Mark. Yeah. Mark said that the Pelicans out of any team in the NBA has double team Shea the most this year and Shea, which is speaking volume to the Pelicans is one of the best, you know, one of the most frequently double team players in the entire league. So for the fact that the Pelicans did it the most of anybody for a guy who's fourth in the league in uh, average double teams per game uh, speaks a lot of how they want to defend it. And one thing I forgot to mention of that quote on your show is that uh, Mark also pointed out that the thing about playing the Pelicans is, you know how they're going to defend you stylistically in every single game. So even though the Pelicans have not had Brandon Ingram in three of the games, did not have CJ in two of the games, that doesn't change the way that they like to try to defend you. So those games are valuable in that sense of understanding how to prepare to go after a Pelicans defense because it doesn't really change uh, holistically whenever those two guys are back. So for for this game, I think it'll be interesting to see how the Thunder are able to capitalize on uh, creating switches. Now the Thunder have cycled through big men this year because of injury, and big is a relative term in Oklahoma City. And, and so now with Jalen Williams, it comes down to a rookie out of Arkansas, Jalen Williams, to figure out how to lay a hard screen and, and get a mismatch for SGA. Whenever you look at this Thunder, quote unquote, big man rotation, what do you see as a host of a team that actually has a center? I see an advantage for the Pelicans. I see an advantage that I want to see the Pelicans use early on. I don't want them to play through Jonas Valanciunas the entirety of the game, but I think if you can get him down low and kind of establish him a little bit early on and play through him for part of that first quarter and go inside out, I think that can open things up for the New Orleans Pelicans. He at times has won the Pelicans games, but they tend to go away from him late. They like to close with Larry Nance Jr. at the five so that they can switch, so they can trap guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and others because if you put... Valanciunas out there on the perimeter, the dude's just going to get toasted. So they need to use that size advantage early on because they know they're not going to have it 
later. And there's no one down low that can really, I think, defend Valanciunas. This is a guy who also gobbles up rebounds, and the Thunder aren't a great rebounding team. So being able to kind of put the hurt on them early, see if you can get out to a lead and kind of cruise from there, I think could be a really important thing for New Orleans because they're going to surrender a big run to the Thunder at some point, probably in the third quarter, which is what this team often does. So you need to be able to have enough of a lead to kind of weather that. I do think Jonas Valanciunas can kind of play that role. If he gets close to like 15 and 15, I think New Orleans would be really happy with that. Close with Larry Nance Jr. and let B.I. kind of take you home at that point. So I think that for all the talk of Brandon Ingram and C.J. and S.G.A., this game does come down to Valanciunas against Jalen Williams. The Thunder are the 30th ranked team in terms of rebounding. Obviously not good against the rebounding machine, as you mentioned. But Jalen Williams has two different weapons, I think, that if they work to his advantage, can pay dividends for Oklahoma City. The first being just his nature of drawing charges. This guy's played for half of a season in terms of bulk minutes. He's played 50 games, but they don't get bulk minutes until after the new year uh, because of injuries and because of uh, all that's happened. Now he's a regular starter, and he and he is top of the league in charges drawn already in that short time. He led the NCAA in uh, charges drawn last year. So this is a true weapon for him. And he used it against the Rockets, against the big man team that likes to kind of work down low to get three fouls quickly on Shingun and kind of take out the Rockets' best player. Now, Jonas is not the Pelicans' best player, but it does negate some of that size advantage for Oklahoma City. And the other aspect of this cat and mouse game is, albeit he's a rookie and albeit that shooting numbers and rotational players do not play as well on the road as they do at home, on the season, Jalen Williams is shooting 40% from three. So if he's able to draw out Jonas a little bit to the perimeter, and if Jonas even disregards him a bit because you want to be back and you want to play drop and make sure that you're uh, able to contain SGA going to the rim, and Jay will knocks down a couple threes, then the game changes upside down for Oklahoma City and for New Orleans. Now, if neither one of those things turn out to be a factor, it's a huge advantage for the Pelicans. So I think that this game might be won and lost at the five position. Yeah, no, it really could. Look, this is one of those things that could, could swing the game. I think they're kind of even in some of the other areas. And this is one of those things where you look at and you go, okay, the Pelicans have a guy there that has proven it, that can do it. He's also a decent enough passer. And Oklahoma City can get in the passing lanes and maybe create some turnovers that way too. But he's good enough to be able to get four or five assists out of the post, I think. And if they're spacing the court properly, like if Trey's hitting some, Trey Murphy the third's hitting some threes, I think that makes it a little bit easier for him to kind of work down low. You get him enough points going on, and he's, they're forced to defend him more so and not clamp down as hard on B.I. or C.J. McCollum or Trey. That opens things up, and that gives the Pels an advantage, I think. Coming up, I want to talk about how in the world can you even attempt to defend B.I. and C.J. McCollum. Also, postseason experience. What do you gain from it? What was learned from it? And how valuable is it from a young team to another? Let's talk first about our good friends over at Prize picks. Prize picks is awesome. It is daily fantasy made easy, and the playoffs are back. And so that's why you should start using prize picks right now because it's just you versus the projected numbers. You pick two to six players and you guess will they score more or less than their prize pick projections? And then boom, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. It's that simple, it's that easy, and it's just those projections which are so important uh, in this world. You can do NBA, MLB. NFL when it comes back, NHL, PGA, college football, men and women's college basketball, soccer, WWE, esports, NASCAR, tennis, golf, boxing, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, safe, and offers fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. So make sure that you're staying in touch with that. The play-in tonight, will Trey Young 
have over or or more or less than 24 and a half points in this game. I'm going to go over on that one for Trey Young, the Oklahoma kid. So check it out today by downloading the PrizePix app or prizepix.com and get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the code locked on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder, Locked On Pelicans crossover. I'm Roland Styles, Jake Madison. You're with me now. What a great tool this is on the Locked On Podcast Network to get true insider on the pod talking about this uh, play-in tournament and this game, which is so important. And so, Jake, you're obviously very close with the team, covering them, talking about them every single day and multiple times a day whenever Zion news breaks out. But <laughs> as someone who follows this team so closely and talks to these guys and is in tune with the franchise, what did last year do for them to make the play-in? Now, obviously, the Pelicans had the advantage of like going through the play-in in a first-round series. We don't know what the fate holds for Oklahoma City. But is there truly something to postseason experience, or is that just kind of a, a – fun for TV, you know, catch all phrase. No, I, I think there's something to it. I think there's something to it big time. It gave this team a lot of confidence going into this season. It's certainly going to raise the expectations of, you know, whatever franchise kind of goes through something like that. But there's something to be said, like we did that. We played this team tough and it means we thought we could beat them potentially, you know, that they, they took the, Phoenix Suns to six games, winning two of them. Booker wasn't there for all of it. So that, you know, you got to factor that in. But this team basically felt that if they had Zion Williamson back, they could go out and they could compete and they could have won that series. And Zion wanted to play in that series. And it was one of those things that kind of fueled them going forward. I remember that game six loss. It was at home in New Orleans, the one that ended the series. Brandon Ingram just like booked it off the court. You could just kind of see how much this hurt him, how much he hated that feeling. And from talking to him during the offseason, you could tell that it was something that motivated him to try and be better going into this year. And right now he's playing the best basketball of his career. So I think there's something to be said for wanting to kind of win, you know, experiencing the sting of defeat and kind of bottling that emotion up and using that to drive you forward can be a very big motivating factor. And these guys all kind of want to be known as the man, right? Like egos are a thing very much so in the NBA. So if Shea goes out and does that, that's the type of thing that propels you going forward. And it's funny, you know, Antonio Daniels, former broadcaster for your team, literally was is texting me during the show right now. I cannot read what that at all. I uh, read that one out loud at all right now. But he, you know, he talks about that. There was a lot of growth too. You saw Trey Murphy start to kind of grow into himself during that. It gave him a lot of confidence to work on his game this offseason. You know, this is a guy that's going to be a key player for the Pelicans in this game, has been a key contributor going forward uh, in the past, and is going to be a key contributor going forward. There's a lot of growth to be had to see how to just be a professional, right? You always hear these teams that bring in the veteran to teach guys how to win, a guy who's been there before. You don't get that experience without being there in the first place. So getting this experience now, I think, is a really big thing for a young team like this. It is going to be a, a good experience for this team as Mark put it at practice, it's not an end point for Oklahoma City. They're still a young team. 
This is just the beginning. I'm glad that AD is spicing up your text chain right now. Uh, Thunder fans absolutely love AD. F- friend of both pods, uh, by the way, AD is. So that's great. Um, last thing for you. Let's end it with probably the most poignant discussion of them all. How do you defend BI and CJ? What's given the Pelicans offense trouble at all this season when it comes to those two guys? Obviously for the Thunder, it's been doubling Shea and breaking out that zone defense. For the Pelicans, what's worked? What is something that should be implemented on this on this offense? You know, it, it's trying to limit a lot of the off-ball movement, I think, and try and force BI to play a lot of isolation basketball with a help defender coming near him the the way the pelicans offense really falls apart is if he's dribbling the ball at the top of the three-point line and dribbling the air out of the ball and then starts to attack and all of a sudden they're running out of time on the shot clock and there's no one to pass to there's two defenders in front of him and what he's got to do then is just can take a contested long mid-range jumper he can hit him but that's not efficient basketball and i think that's a big part of the problem i think if you can force the ball into cj's hands and let him try and be a primary ball handler too works really well he's better off ball he likes to try and be the point guard when he's trying to be the point guard and kind of create his own shot it doesn't work as well he gets frustrated if he doesn't get the ball for a little bit so wall him off when bi has the ball and then when he gets the ball it ain't leaving his hands and force him into taking bad shots. And I think that can be something that really does play into the Thunder's advantage because then they can run off of misses like they really like to try and do. And now the Pelicans' defense can't get back, get set, and that becomes a real big part of the problem. So it's really doubling B.I. and kind of making these guys work way harder than they should be for some of their offense and they just kind of devolve into some really bad habits and that's where herb jones will finish with four points you'll see trey murphy not getting enough shots up to really compete and uh you know make make his mark in the game and i think that's how you beat this team this is going to be an incredibly fun night incredibly fun game for oklahoma city and new orleans all the pressures on the pelicans though so leave us with your prediction jake what's going to happen in the smoothie king center Look, I think I'd get fired if I don't say I think the Pelicans are going to win, but I do think it's going to be a close game. It's going to take a very strong performance from Brandon Ingram, but this team has been there before. They know the stakes of this. You know, CJ's been a little bit inefficient at times this year, but I think this is a game where they're going to come in with the right kind of game plan. They can finally focus on the Thunder, what they need to do to attack this team. I think it's going to be a Pelicans win, but it's going to be one of those things where it's like five, six points. It's, It's closer than I think people might be expecting. Jake, thank you for your time. Enjoy New Orleans. Enjoy the play-in tournament. And enjoy Zion playing eventually. Uh, I think he might play basketball again. Listen to Lockdown Pelicans today to find out when, if ever, will Zion play basketball. Listen tomorrow to hear this conversation turn on its head for the Thunder side. And until tomorrow here on Lockdown Thunder, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.